0: Welcome back to ILTA Voices, your home for all things ILTA. Welcome to today's ILTA podcast episode titled The Role of AI Power Chatbots at Digital Research Assistance. I am your host, Alejandro Vallelianes, former Senior Manager of Research and Information for Baker McKenzie. And I am joined today by an all star cast Stephanie, Abby, and John from Gunderson Vetmer. And now, G- Gunderson has been working on a very interesting project where they are really pushing the envelope in regards to generative AI and the use of chatbots within the firm. So I want to start off with a brief introduction and overview of each of your roles. So I'm gonna hand it over to to John.
1: Sure, no, I appreciate that. Uh, Hi folks, John Sprudato. I'm the Senior Legal Engineering and Data Strategy Manager at Gunderson Detmer. Uh, That means a number of different things, but basically I spend a lot of my time thinking about how different systems integrate with our data warehouse and how we can use the insights that are in there to help people uh, practice more efficiently and deliver more value to our clients. And as part of that, I helped build uh, one of our generative chat applications that we're going to talk about, GD.
0: Excellent. Excellent. Avi?
2: Sure. Hi, I'm Avi Sager. I'm a practice innovation attorney in the employment group uh, at Gunderson Detmer. And I, I joined Gunderson about two years ago after working in initially general commercial litigation and employment litigation for many years, and, um, and then transitioning to knowledge management, uh, the knowledge management field. At a, an employment specialty firm, um, but at Gunderson has been a very exciting opportunity to uh, pull from the employment uh, law experience and combine that with um, cutting-edge technology and, and a client base that you know is made up of, of startups and uh, businesses that are very familiar with uh, state-of-the-art technology. And so, it's been a, a fun challenge to to use technology to make our practice group, the, the employment group, is um nimble and efficient and dynamic as possible um to help colleagues and clients and um and again to put the employment uh history and knowledge to work uh within the group
0: excellent many thanks abby and and stephanie
3: Hi, I'm Stephanie Gudis, I'm uh, the practice innovation attorney at Gunderson Detmer, where I lead the strategic innovation and KM initiatives for the employment and labor practice. Uh, we work with our practice group leader, Natalie Pierce, and our firm's innovation team, led by the amazing Joe Green. Uh, and our ultimate goal is really to. Build the legal practice of the future. So that means doing whatever we can to best leverage technology and automation to meet the evolving needs of our clients.
0: Excellent. Well, many thanks, Stephanie. And, and indeed, it was it was the uh, an interview that I had with Joe Green that um, I came about the, the the project that Gunderson was was building. So um, I'm curious how the idea of implementing the Chatbot system for the firm came about.
1: Yeah, I can speak a little bit about that. So, you know, as with many people out there, I think we were uh, really interested in the wave of interest in in generative AI applications. Uh, We've been playing around with it ourselves, kind of exploring some of the capabilities and, you know, generally impressed by what it could do. We weren't exactly sure what it should do. And I think that's a question that there's an ongoing dialogue to figure out both internally as well as uh, in the industry at large. But one of the things we really wanted To figure out is to explore that question and what the best way to do that was, and we initially thought, you know, let's work with vendors. There's a number of products out there; they look interesting. The people who are developing them sound like they know what they're doing. Uh, We had some internal prototypes that we had played around with, but you know, generally we're we're a law firm. We don't want to build software if we can avoid it. We're not trying to develop software. We're not a software company. Uh, But in the course of exploring what was out there, uh, one of the things we we quickly realized two things. One, the prices that folks were asking for for these tools was pretty high. And two, uh, to that earlier point I raised about what should these tools do, it really wasn't clear how much people would use the tool and what, what they would use it for. So taking stock of what our options were and what was out there and what we had, we realized, you know, we could probably do this ourselves. And if we design it in a way where it's framed as essentially the tip of the spear, in exploring gender AI and learning the best ways to use it and what it should be used for, we could probably have a, an opportunity to learn a ton and set ourselves up to be able to better evaluate the products that are coming into us from outside parties, as well as potentially to realize you know what the right applications are internally. And that set off a process that ultimately uh, led to the completion and the deployment of ChatGD back in, I think it was uh, early September of uh, 2023. Excellent. Excellent. Well, many thanks.
0: Now, in, in in regards to the implementation process, what were some of the key challenges you faced when introducing ChatGPT to the to the firm?
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I will speak to that. So. I guess, where do I start? Um, this could probably be a, a spin-off podcast of its own, but I will talk through a couple of the key issues that we encountered and how we overcame them. I think first, the first challenge was really the protection of client data. So ensuring the confidentiality and security of client information is of course critical. Um, and so as John talked about, you know, rather than allowing our attorneys and staff to use and explore public facing uh, chat GBT, We looked at the vendors and then um, John ended up, you know, building the application in house, which was amazing because we were able to to use the technology and um, also protect all of the data. I think the second challenge was properly educating our attorneys and staff on the responsible use of the tool. So as a prerequisite, before uh, anyone could go in and access ChatGD, we required users to complete a training session. And uh, getting these training sessions off the ground quickly was honestly an incredible team effort. It involved our risk management team, our KM and innovation teams, including John, who did a lot of the, the heavy lifting for the training and our practice innovation attorneys. So we held three live training sessions and they were tailored for either the attorneys, paralegals or the business professionals. And we framed the rollout as this collaborative experiment. And it was designed to really help everyone in the firm move up the learning curve and crowdsource and get the best use cases, but in a safe space where all of the data was protected. And then I think lastly, um, I'll just say that another significant hurdle was really just managing expectations within the firm regarding what ChatGD could do and could not do. So it's not a search engine, right? And it shouldn't be used like one. Chat GD is incredible, but it's, it doesn't replace your law degree. It's not going to make your coffee, you know, not yet. Um, so we had to really communicate clearly what the capabilities were, what are the intended use cases, and then what are those areas where human judgment um, and expertise, you know, remain indispensable. So we did this by providing a lot of examples of effective use cases. Um, you know, this this worked for this person. And then that helped all of our team understand the best ways they could responsibly leverage it.
0: Excellent, excellent, and and I, I like that you mentioned um, managing expectations in terms of of, of use cases. So uh, th- throughout that process of, of implementing the system, what type of use cases were you trying to target?
2: Sure, I can um, share some some details there. I mean, um, I guess we, we wanted people to understand that this was an opportunity to learn and explore and try new things. Um, so whereas we previously rolled out some other types of bots internally. That were maybe um not quite as dynamic or you know the the generative piece of the, the AI puzzle. Um, you know, so we, we encourage people to think about ways to use the tool to, you know, whether it was summarizing materials, um, people were able to um you know, upload legal documents and and explore ways to either summarize them or um, redline documents, compare redlines and to uh sort of increase the efficiency with which they were analyzing materials. Um, the people were u- encouraged to use the tool to draft emails or letters or to prepare presentations or training. And it ultimately, um, you know it, it became uh, the, the the point was uh, for people to to sort of find the uses that that worked best for them that made the biggest difference um, in their own practice and, and to really try to see how, um you know gen AI tools could could make a difference. And so, um you know we were able to take a look and see how people were using them using those tools and and it was a lot of summaries, a lot of manipulating documents, a lot of uh, working on emails, preparing agendas for meetings. Um, you know uh, what else there was? I know we used it for for certain kinds of internal training as well as some external training to just even get the ball rolling with brainstorming, and so there's really a, a very wide use. And we just put the ball in the hands of the attorneys and the marketing people and the tech people, and you know, just wanted to make this as 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 dynamic and fun and interesting a sandbox as possible. Um, and yeah, so so folks doing a whole lot of uh, different things with it.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, very very interesting to hear. Now. <clears throat> In terms of, let's say, a, a knowledge management perspective, uh, how, how, how do you think a chatbot um, contribute to updating and maintaining knowledge within the firm?
1: Sure, I can talk a little bit about that. I don't think it changes a lot. I mean, ultimately, it's a tool, right? So um, it helps prepare content, you know, as Avi just discussed, it can help you format materials. It can help brainstorm. I uh, can do some you know minor edits and changes to things that you, you already have. Um, but ultimately, you know these things are not uh, autonomous. There are talk of there's talk of what's called an agent, which is something that could you know in theory go off and do things for you on your behalf. I think we're a long way from that. And you know ultimately, someone has to tell it something specific that they want, and then they have to do something with the outputs. You know, you still need a place to put all of your, your knowledge from your knowledge management efforts. You still need a document management system. You know, you still probably wanna have a firm intranet. So, you know, it it helps take away some of the grunt work that people do day-to-day things that, again, as we were just talking about, you know, no one really wants to do, right? Like who wants to uh, take a document and change all the pronouns so they're gender neutral? I mean, obviously, you know, setting aside the value of the exercise, it's just something that nobody actually wants to go in and physically do, right? So. Uh, Again, I think it's it's a tool. It's part of a toolkit. Um, And it's something that has to be used thoughtfully, but it's not magic and it's not going to, it's not really going to change, I think, how people approach this. I don't know, Stephanie or or Avi, if you guys have other thoughts on that.
3: Yeah, I agree with you. And I would just add that because of, um, you know, how you you built it, the user is able to provide feedback to the responses. And so we can see that and continuously improve it. And I think that's been incredibly helpful because, you know, going back to this being an experiment um, in this safe space, we didn't know 100% like how everyone was going to use this, right? Like that's the entire uh, point of this exercise is to understand what's helpful to people and what's not helpful. So I think that uh, getting there feedback lets us either identify fixes right away immediately that we we may need to make or um, even gives us ideas for the roadmap for future versions down the road.
1: Yeah, that, that's a great point. And I appreciate you mentioning that, Stephanie. We are collecting feedback from user interactions, But again, at the end of the day, you know, setting how knowledge management efforts are constructed, I think that's a separate conversation. So the tool itself, you know, we're, it's constantly improving through feedback. But I'd also point out, you know, it's not actively learning from conversations. It's very intentional. People have to say, I didn't like this or I did like that. And to the extent that any changes are made to how it operates, that's all done by our engineering team. And I think that's an important distinction for anyone who might be looking for tools like this is generally, uh, if you're using something that's based on open AI, um, and it's offered for an enterprise customer. Generally, they don't learn from what you're telling them, but that's something you need to be absolutely clear on. You need to make sure that any tools that you are using, buying, building, are designed or purchased in such a way that they're not um, incorporating your questions and your knowledge into a model that other people might be using. But you know, that's not something that you really have to worry about.
0: Excellent. So I, I imagine that part of the training uh, was also prompt training. So how how do we communicate with the with the, with the system? Uh, what are some of the prompts <clears throat> to 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 use? And I imagine that's constantly changing as well. So is there a part of like a uh, like a user learning uh, cycle where they uh, have a continuous training in regards to the the prompts that they that they might use?
1: Yeah, you know, as Stephanie mentioned, we've done several trainings. So we did one when we launched, and that was based on our own experiences, much smaller uh, collection of experiences. And then over the course of having the product out there in the firm being used by you know over half of our staff and attorneys, we looked at what people were, were doing, what they had provided feedback on explicitly. And then based on that information, we gave some examples of things that people were doing that they found valuable. A couple examples of things that we saw that folks were doing that they hadn't found valuable or they'd found you know potentially problematic, and um, updated our training based on that. And I think that will be our cadence going forward. You know, seeing what people are doing, collecting that feedback, and then periodically, probably quarterly, uh, refreshing that training. And I should also mention that in order to use the tool, you have to complete the training. And when you first sign in, you attest that you've done that, and that video is available to folks at any time.
0: Excellent! Excellent. So in, in terms of the product <clears throat> evolution, let's say, how do you envision uh, this system or perhaps later version of the system evolving within your law firm uh, in particular?
2: I can, I can take an initial stab at that. And if anybody wants to, to weigh in or share other thoughts, feel free. But I mean, I think as we become more confident in the tool and, the, and our attorneys and um, teammates, uh, team members, uh, ability to, to use it effectively, you know, through great prompts or through, um, you know, just understanding how, which documents, uh, respond best or work best within, um, the tool. You know, I I imagine, um, more and more client facing, uh, applications and maybe greater trust in document automation and, and creation, um, as we go. And, um, yeah, and, and really trying to find ways to make it part of, of people's daily, daily practice and workflow, whether it's, you know, how it's uh, using the tool to manage emails, you know, incoming and outgoing emails and correspondence or, um, yeah, I mean, I think just sort of building it into the day-to-day as well as 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 turning uh, turning it into a more of a client-facing tool uh, over time and, and maybe a document and analyzing type tool, Um, but I will, yeah. curious to hear what else Stephanie and and John are thinking.
1: Yeah, I I think those are great points, Avi. And what I would add is, you know, I think fundamentally what these things are really good at, it's it's taking text information and it's interacting with it. It's manipulating it. So if you're starting with an example of something you're working on or uh, a document where you want to make some small changes to a part of it, when you target large language models at very specific contexts, the very specific texts, um, they generally perform really well, not perfectly, but really, really well. And so I think that's an area where, particularly for legal applications and law firms, it makes a lot of sense to try to figure out how to best deploy these kinds of tools. Um, they're also you know, great at generating content, but that's where you run into more often uh, what people call hallucinations, where they make things up. So if you're brainstorming, if you're trying to you know create some marketing copy that that might be interesting um obviously if you're writing contracts that's not interesting contracts shouldn't be interesting they should be boring and effective right um so you know getting that balance right and figuring out you know how to give people the ability to leverage some of that for lack of a better word i'll put it in air quotes creativity for things that are you know not mission critical um but then also you know provide some guardrails and certainty around the things that are mission critical i mean that's the tension that people have to work through. And I think, you know, the way we've architected our tool, we have a good healthy balance there. I'm going to, I think it's going to be an ongoing conversation. It's going to require training. It's going to require technology. I I don't think there's a single answer to that.
0: Okay. Okay. Excellent. So in in regards to how we move forward? What uh, what additional considerations or challenges should we keep in mind when advancing these uh, AI powered uh, systems? And I, Stephanie, you had mentioned some great um, great sure. observation in regards to challenges. So so perhaps you know what's in your yeah. mind. Like what additional considerations should we have? Should we keep?
3: So I think there's a joke somewhere in here about, I could write a 50 page paper on this, uh, which we did, <laughs> but um, I should have put it in chat GD this morning. I'll share a couple of the the highlights. Um, number one, I would say companies need to prioritize cybersecurity and safety. Be- absolutely proactive as possible so that may mean implementing systemic audits or using bias detection tools you know regular monitoring and evaluation of how people are using the technology but i think it really boils down to training your employees on this technology and on this front i just read an article over the weekend about an employee at a multinational national firm that was unfortunately um, tricked into paying out 25 million dollars to someone using deep fake technology and they actually posed as the company's chief financial officer in a video conference call and so um according to the article it was on CNN if you want to google it but um, the worker went on the video call and he was a little suspicious but then he saw or what he thought he saw was several other coworkers and members of his team and they were actually all deep fake recreations and so um, you know the other people to him looked and, and sounded legitimate and so the money ended up being being sent. So this is obviously absolutely terrifying and um, companies really need to proactively train their employees to make sure scams like this do not happen again in the future. Um, I would also highlight, the need to establish clear policies and guidelines for how to use the technology appropriately and make sure that you're communicating that to your employees. So our attorneys at Gunderson We work with a lot of companies now to draft and update these policies things are changing very quickly so you have to just be ready to pivot and incorporate whatever the new regulation or best uh, practice is of of the week Uh, and then there's a lot of resources out there too where they have model policies there's guidelines and then uh, i would just suggest that companies really get familiar with this information and figure out what's becoming market practice within their Industry And then lastly, I would say um, you should establish a cross-functional team and they should carefully evaluate all the risks and benefits of how you're gonna integrate this technology into your organization. And I w- just want to highlight that it, it shouldn't just be your technical employees. It should also be your risk management team, right? Your employees on the ground that are actually using these tools every day, your KM, your innovation team members, um, just really making sure that, you know, your team members on this working group have a very um, broad or diverse variety of backgrounds and they're at, Different levels in the organization because I think that's the way that um, you have the best chance to mitigate the risk.
1: Yeah, I think that's such a great point, Stephanie. Right, like having that breadth of uh, viewpoints and experiences mm-hmm. and backgrounds. And, you know, you don't know what you don't know, and I think you know everyone's in their silo. And being able to apply a technology like this, you know, in a lot of ways, it it, it can give the impression of being able to do almost anything as long as it's text-based. If you ask it to do something, it'll almost always try to please you. And having people who can say, ah, it doesn't make sense, or ah, I'm not so sure about that is so important. And conversely, you know, if, you, if you've if you never lived a workflow, if you've never lived a position, you've never had a certain experience, you might not realize that it can solve a problem uh, that you're not even exposed to. So I love that. And I would add, you know, boring is good. Boring is not bad. Like a lot of the stuff that we see people use this for is it's just... Very simple stuff, you know. Changing uh, again, I I love the uh, gender neutral pronoun example because I just think it's such a great example. Again, nobody wants to sit there and do that, right? Like it's not that it shouldn't be done, but it's just not something that any human wants to do, and it's not it's not easy to do with traditional technology. If you do, you know, Control F, it find and replace, it you can't just do it that way because you know there's subtle differences in different usage patterns and sentences. So it can save a ton of time. And those are the kind of things that are low risk and very, very easy to check. So those are great applications. And I think generally anything where you're starting from, um, again, you're starting from text that you know that you have experience in that you can quickly evaluate the output. That's the sweet spot, at least right now. And I think there's tons of areas for that to be applied.
0: Excellent, excellent. Well, many thanks. Um, And we're close to to wrapping up, but perhaps one last question in regards to uh, user adoption. So w- what have you seen from, from the firm in terms of uh, a- adoption rates for the for the system?
1: Well, I can throw out some statistics. I don't know if anyone else wants to throw in some anecdotes, but one of the things that's great about Gender AI and our ChatGD in particular is one of the only tools I've ever seen that people just start using on their own. I mean, obviously they go through the training, but I've been in the legal innovation <laughs> space for Six years, and it's always a slog to get people to try new stuff. You have to beg them sometimes. Hey, have you tried that tool? Do you have time? You want to try that tool? This is something where you know, just day after day, we have new people logging in. Usage is constant growing, uh, so yeah. I mean, I think it's it's generally it's solving a need, or at least it's making people happy, and that's uh, somewhat unusual for software tools in legal. Which you know, no disrespect to any vendors out there, uh, but it's it's sort of um, surprising how much people like using it.
3: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Sometimes I'll just sneak it in the end of a call that has nothing to do with Gen AI. If we have like a couple of minutes left, like, hey, screen share, have you seen this? You know, this is what you can do. And I love that moment where someone just looks absolutely amazed and they're like, oh my gosh, it can draft email. Oh my gosh. And then they just go and they explore and they play around with it for, you know, hours. Um, So yeah, just talking about it and constantly encouraging people to get in there and try it for themselves.
2: And, and I would just add that I've been on those calls. I've seen Stephanie do that, and it's <laughs> fun to see. So then like, we have this. It's oh, oh, holy cow. So that's what my question is.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can see that being used uh, for the internal marketing as well, just their expressions and their faces, and perhaps some of the. Some yeah, of the, right. uh, the- yeah. Yep. <laughs> so, John, uh, Stephanie, Abby, I uh, would like to thank you for joining uh, today for your time and for sharing your experience and, and, and insights. Uh, like I said at the beginning, I truly believe that you're pushing the envelope and and, and leading uh, within the legal industry and creating internal <clears throat> and proprietary technology with with jane, jane and i so i uh kudos to 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 the team to the group i'm sure those that will be tuning in to view this session later will find great value and uh if we want to connect and perhaps keep this conversation going where where can we find you
1: uh, well for me i'm usually hanging out on linkedin or i'm i'm coding somewhere in a basement so uh, linkedin is good <laughs> for me
3: uh you could <laughs> In the winter, you could probably find me on a Florida beach with the frozen margarita, but if you don't oh, want to go there. that far, <laughs> um, I'm also <laughs> pretty active on LinkedIn. So you're always welcome to reach out and message me or email me at at I'm always happy to nerd out and discuss anything related to AI with people in our community.
2: And, and I'm in Chicago, but working remotely and like the others on LinkedIn. Also, we're all, I think, on the Gunderson website. Um, you find our... Emails there at Asager at gunder.com. Excellent. Well, many thanks again.
0: And I'm really looking forward to uh to seeing how this uh evolves and grows over time. Thank
3: Take you care, so much everyone. for having us. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Appreciate it.